Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercies that endure forever and ever and ever. Father, we thank you for this time, for this season that we live in. And Father, we thank you for understanding of the times, understanding of the seasons. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and for what you're saying in this earth. And Father, we realize that this year is a time of transition. I believe, Lord, that we're going to transition out of things that have held us back and we're going to move in further to what you have for us. Lord, I thank you that it'll be a year of transition for this church, for this people. Lord, that they'll see things differently, understand things differently, and move on into that level that you have for them. And Father, we thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you've already declared. And Father, we thank you for your holy written word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we're careful to give you the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, amen. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever, isn't he? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever. I'm so glad that you came out tonight. I'm glad that you did not make me come looking for you. <laughs> I said, how could you find me? Well, they got all kinds of ways to find you today. But it's been an honor to be here, to be with your pastors and, and uh, others there in the church. It's just been a blessing. Like uh, Pastor Edwin said, we, we go back a long ways. In fact, uh, uh, I remember being here when my wife was pregnant, if you recall that with my son Randall, and they said that, that my wife would have a miscarriage and the baby uh, would not be born. And I remember Pastor Angela getting on the phone with my wife, because I was here with them, and she said, if you want this baby, there ain't nothing gonna stop it. And they got an agreement with us. So everything that Randall does, they're responsible for it, good or bad, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I remember praying. I remember it turned out good. Everything worked fine. We went through some challenges after he was born. But thank God, everything worked out and uh, God supernaturally brought him through. And so we appreciate their faith because they practice what they preach. And we appreciate that. Good friends. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Do you mind if I change directions a little bit? Is that all right? When I woke up this morning, the Spirit of God said, do you remember what I told Kenneth Hagin? I said, well, Lord, you told him a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of things he never told us. He said, I told him to go teach my people faith. He said, before you leave this church, he said, I want you to speak on faith. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. This is by direction of God. This is a prophetic message from heaven. I'm telling you, a prophetic message from heaven. This is not something I thought up because I thought I would just continue on, but we've said enough to lay a foundation about the subject we was talking about, but uh, I do see a, a deficit in the church world in relation to faith, even though that we have heard it and listened to it and talked about it and threatened it, you know, and preached it, 
I, I, what I mean by that is this. I see a lot of people uh, in the church world that are very good Christians. I mean, tithe payers, givers, you know, help out in any way they can, you know, with the local church, and we appreciate that. Everybody needs a local church, local pastor. I'm a member of a local church, have a local, uh, uh, my lo own local pastor. We thank God for them. But I see a lot of people struggle still in the arena of faith. And I believe it's based on one particular issue is what I see. I don't believe as a whole, and I'm not, again, putting anybody down, that we've learned in the church world, even in the faith circles, to call things that be not as they are. Because God did. And when you copy God, you're going to come out on top. But specifically tonight, by direction of the Holy Ghost, when I woke this morning real early and sat up in the bed, that's the Spirit of God said to me. He said, do you remember what I told Kenneth E. Hagin? I said, Lord, you told him a lot of things. He said, I told him to go teach my people faith. He said, before you leave, he said, you speak on faith. And then he dropped in my heart this scripture. Turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to talk to you tonight briefly. That would be the first miracle. <laughs> we believe in the miraculous. About how to receive anything from God. I pray the Lord will help me make it so easy. It's really so easy, anybody can do it. And I'm not saying there's not a challenge to it. I'm not saying there's not a fight. The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. I'm not saying that the devil won't try you and come against you. But it's still simple to receive from God. The steps that you take are simple. And what I'm going to talk about in relation how to receive anything from God, I'm going to talk about the prayer of faith. Now, you know that there are different kinds of prayers in the Bible. I don't know if they're on my table back there, but I was actually done a series one time in an extended meeting. I was in a meeting for three weeks uh, every day and uh, speaking morning and night. And uh, I was, had the opportunity, which is rare, you know, as a traveling minister to speak and, and exhaust everything I knew on the different types of prayers in the Bible and the rules that governed them. Dad Hagen talked to us about the rules that govern different types of prayers. And if you don't apply the proper rules from the word of God to the prayer that you're praying, then you're going to be ineffective and it's not going to work for you. In other words, there's rules that govern the prayer of faith. Those rules that govern the prayer of faith are different than the prayer of commitment. In the garden of get some money, you remember where that's at, right? Jesus believed in prosperity, so the last place he went to was the garden of get some money. <laughs> isn't that right? That's a revelation, isn't that right? You just wanted a deep revelation. He went to the garden of get some money. But in there, he prayed the prayer of consecration, dedication, and commitment. And the question could be asked, where did Jesus die? Somebody said, on the cross. There's a truth to that. But the greatest truth, the greater truth is this. Jesus died in the garden before he ever went to the cross. You pray it out, then you walk it out. He committed, consecrated, dedicated himself to death. That's the only reason he could die. He said, Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me this cup of death. 
Let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, if it be thy will. So in the prayer of dedication, consecration, and giving yourself to God, it's fine to say and declare, if it be thy will. Just like I could say, you know, pastors here, they go over there to Africa and eat uh, frog eggs and, I don't know, lizard brains. I don't know what, what all, what all, and I don't think they know. I know what he does. He told me. He hides behind the crowd. <laughs> it just says thank you, you know. But anyway, they, they go over there to Africa, and this is wonderful work. But uh, what I pray, Lord, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, Lord, send Pastor Edwin. <laughs> Don't send me. <laughs> send Pastor Greg. Don't send me. He knows how to dodge the meals because he told me. He's educated me. So there's all kinds of things that go on. But I would say this, Lord, if it be thy will, I'll go to Africa. But if it ain't your will, I ain't a going. <laughs> so it's okay to pray if it be thy will, the prayer of dedication, consecration, and commitment. But when it comes to the prayer of faith, you cannot put the, uh, the word in, I, I believe that I receive so-and-so if it be thy will because that violates the rules that govern the prayer of faith. The prayer of commitment and the prayer of faith are two different types of prayers. Now, there's more than those two types of prayer in the Bible, and I did have a series. I don't know if it was MP3s or what. Don't know if they're back there. My office packs this stuff up, you know, and sends it with me. But anyway, it's, it's about all the prayers in the Bible and all the rules that govern them. But let's look at Mark eleven twenty four, and tonight... I believe will be a night of miracles. In this sense, a lot of people have the concept that if you can see the glory cloud, then we can get a miracle, and I believe in the glory cloud. I believe in, in, in supernatural events. But this is what I learned from Dad Hagen, and uh, he said this. He said the greatest miracles that he ever witnessed in his own ministry was when he did not feel one Thing. He said he just acted on what he called the raw word of God. He said if he'd have been going by how he felt, he'd have had the audience of praying for him because he didn't feel a thing, just as dry, you know, no goosebumps, you know, no jerking and shaking and carrying on. And I'm not against a little shaking. Jerry Lee Lewis said there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And I, I've done a whole lot of shaking in my time. You would have made it, I'm gonna do some more shaking in my time. But a lot of people, thanks to receive from God, you have got to have some kind of feeling, some kind of flash, or some kind of goosebump. If you'll just stand on the raw word of God, whether you feel anything or not, and declare the written word of God, I will guarantee you emphatically based on this word that God's miracle power will work in your behalf. The feeling will show up. Now, if anybody knew how to pray the prayer of faith, it may have been Jesus. Do you think so? So do you think that we could look in the Bible 
and an example from Jesus Christ himself and follow his principles and receive from God? Let me tell you again, tonight you are going to receive from God. Let me threaten you one time. Tonight you are going to receive from God. Let me yell one time. You are going to receive from God. You're not going through the motions of Christianity anymore. You're going to receive from God. You're going to tap into the supernatural power of God this night. I've got word from heaven on it. When the Lord woke me up this morning. So this is a prophetic message from heaven. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm going to receive from God tonight. Mark eleven twenty four. We could read a lot of scriptures in the Bible, but we want to talk about how to receive anything from God. Talk about you personally. When I talk about the prayer of faith, I'm not talking about this prayer of faith, praying it for everybody else and their needs. This is basically applies to you, your family, your immediate little group. You know what I mean? It's not for me to pray the prayer of faith for somebody else because I can't push my faith off on somebody else. If they don't want it, I can't make them have it. But you can pray it for you, your family, your wife, your children. You can believe God. You've got the ability to do it. I shared it, I think, one of the services about our house that uh, sold uh, just right away. And the reason it did is because we joined hands, my wife, and uh, my son, Randall, who your pastors prayed into this world, we got an agreement together with Patty. They prayed him in this world. And he's still a man of faith, by the way, so your prayers took hope real good. He's a Holy Ghost pilot, spirit-filled, and that's who you want sitting up there. You know you know why they shut them. Don't make me get on these side journeys. You know when you get on them commercial flights and they shut them doors? They shut them doors because they don't want you to see the pilot sleeping up there in the front seat. <laughs> Them things are automated, just like my plane. It's got all kinds of gadgets, whistles, bells, and buttons. All I got to do is take it off 200 feet, hit a button, already programmed the computer on the ground, that thing will sing the song, I'll fly away, oh glory. <laughs> take me to altitude to send me down to where I want to go when I hit the autopilot button, kick it off 200 feet, shit, land it on the ground, and sing, I have arrived. <laughs> but maybe they don't do it and sleep on every plane. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. How to receive anything from God if you'll pray this prayer, follow these simple principles, whether it be spiritually, physically, materially, financially, educationally. This works in the spiritual realm as well as the natural realm. You understand that? Physical healing, that's the natural side of that. You need it even though it works through the spirit. If you need things to take place in your life or believing for a greater flow of the Holy Ghost, it'll work for that also. It'll work in the spiritual realm. It'll work in the natural realm. Where'd you learn that? From Dad Hagen. Where'd he learn it? From Jesus Christ. But this prayer of faith will work. So let's see what Jesus said. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 
Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you have received them and you shall have them. If you'll read that scripture out loud to yourself just over and over about a hundred to a thousand times, faith will just spring down in your spirit and it's gonna work for you. But let's look at it and just break the scripture down so we can all understand it and help me. You know what I mean? What did Jesus said do? There's some principles here that he says that we've got to apply in our life if the prayer of faith, and this is a scripture that's based on it, and there's other scriptures. You can go to Matthew 21 and you can see other scriptures along this line, but we're just going to stick for here for the sake of time. Matthew, I mean Mark chapter 11, verse number 24 Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Number one, to receive from God, number one, the first principle you must apply is you must have a desire. Now this desire is not a whole hum type of desire. This desire is a desire that will not be satisfied until the answer to that prayer comes. If it's a whole hum type Hope, that's not going to get you anywhere. This desire is first and foremost. It's primary in your life. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. You desire more than anything in life. That's what he's talking about right here in this word. If you look it up and you study it. So the first principle that you must apply to pray the prayer of faith, number one, according to Jesus, number one, you must have a desire. Then he said, what things you have you desire when you pray. The second thing you've got to do according to this verse is you must pray about your intense, overwhelming desire. I said, Brother Randy, that's too simple. I know, that's why most folks don't do it. <laughs> number one, you have a desire. Jesus said, number two, you pray about that desire. Then number three, he said, believe that ye receive them. So the third thing is, you've got to believe that you receive the answer to your prayer while you're praying. Now, some of you will remember this. It was a, a gentleman that wrote a, a book years and years ago, but, and his name was Dr. T.J. McCrossan. You remember that? It was a book on healing. Well, Dr. Hagen and Dr. Roy Hicks got permission because that book was out of print and it was such a blessing to him. This guy was a Greek and Hebrew scholar. I've been a homebrew scholar, but not a Hebrew scholar. You know what I mean? So I've given up that career path. But anyway, this guy was a Greek and Hebrew scholar, Dr. T.J. McCrossin. I read something in that book that Dr. Roy Hicks and Dr. Hagen had reprinted printed together with permission with a copyright that really helped me with this phrase, believe that ye receive them. Because that's a little blind to us in our understanding. Dr. T.J. McCrossin said, literally, if you translate this, believe that ye receive them into the English language straight from the Greek, it should say this, believe that you have received them. Believe that you have received them. When you say believe that you receive them, that kind of leaves some things hanging. But when you say believe that you have received them, that means right now. Isn't that right? 
So the third step, the principle that Jesus said we got to do is believe that you have received them. Then what? Desires. When? When you pray. Now the fourth principle is God's principle, but he don't take this step until we take the first three steps. We only do three simple things. We have a desire. We pray about that desire. We believe that we have received our desire while we're praying. And then number four, Jesus said, you shall have them. I can't make that happen. You can't make that happen. Only God makes it happen. But when we release our faith based on these three principles that I've already shared, principle four goes into action, you shall have them. So let's talk about these in their order so that we can understand them better. Number one, what have you got to have in order to pray the prayer? What's the first principle? A desire. Let me tell you how I learned about this. I was flying a, a, a little single engine uh, Piper Cherokee 180 around the country and uh, preaching years ago in it. And my son was born, Randall, the one we talked about referred to here. So we needed more space for all the stuff you have to take and seats and bags and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in fact, uh, Mrs. Cheryl Jackson seen me one day. She said, uh, Randy, she said, you need a twin engine airplane just to carry all your junk in. I said, thank you. <laughs> so I decided that I'm going to believe, I call myself believing for a twin engine airplane, going from a single to a twin. And so I just started saying this, you know, just out of my head. I just said, Lord, what kind of twin engine airplane do I need? Lord, what kind of twin engine airplane I need? Lord, what kind of twin engine airplane I need? Lord, what kind of twin engine airplane? Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you tell me what kind of twin engine airplane I need. I prayed that way for about a year and didn't hear anything. Can I give you a kindly word of advice? If you've been praying a year about something and hadn't heard anything, change what you're praying. <laughs> I learned the hard way. I'm just saying you, saving you a lot of time. So I'm walking through our house on Birchwood Drive. Y'all remember where that was, right? Off of Interstate 185 in Columbus, Georgia. Come south, you know, on 85 out of Atlanta. You take 185 or Spur Interstate and you get off at Williams Road exit. Remember, you turn left and you go over and turn right and then you turn right again. You're in Birchwood Subdivision. Well, I was in Birchwood Subdivision and my wife and son went out to the store and it was heavy on me, this, about this airplane. Why hadn't the Lord talked to me about this airplane? So I walked into our bedroom. I was headed to the bathroom and master bath. And so I, I went back that way and I just flopped down on the end of our bed in the bedroom because it was just heavy on my mind. And I spoke right out loud like the Lord might hear me or something, you know. And I said, Lord, I said, why haven't I heard from you about what kind of twin engine airplane that I need? And just as clear and just quickly, the Lord said this. He said, because you have not been praying in line with my word. I said, Lord, why haven't you already told me? I've been doing this for a year. He said, because you didn't ask me. Dad Hagen, if you'll recall, he said, there are certain things the Lord won't tell you unless you ask him. It was a learning experience. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? I haven't been praying in line with your word. I'm a Remy graduate. They ream me out over there. All my kin folks said, you better not go to that Remy. They'll ream you out. Good folks, you know, they were just 
another persuasion and they thought if I get around that stuff it's going to get on you, you know. So I said, Lord, what do you mean? I hadn't been praying with George. He said, get your Bible. We had Bibles over the house probably like you did and I had one by my, on the nightstand by the bed so I just laid back on the mattress and reached over and grabbed my Bible. He said, turn to Mark eleven twenty four. I did. He said, read it. I did. What things do you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He said, there's your answer right there. I said, it is? He said, read it again. What things have you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He said, there's your answer right there. He said, have you got it? I said, no, Lord. He said, read it again. What things have you desire when you pray? Believe you receive them and you shall have them. He said, have you got it yet? I said, no, Lord. He said, that verse says, what things soever you desire, not what I desire for you. Isn't that what it says? It doesn't say what God desires for you, even though it needs to agree with the word. He will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in him. I mean, miracles do happen. Revelation came. I said, oh, 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 oh. That means, Lord, I can find any twin engine airplane I want and desire it and come back and tell you and you'll get it for me. You'll cause it to come to me. He said, that's exactly right, son, based on these conditions. I said, what are they? He said, number one, you've got to have the faith to believe me for that airplane, the finances. In other words, granny says it this way, don't bite off no more than you can chew. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to hinder your faith, but a lot of people will do this. Charles Capps used to call it going whole hog when half ready. He did. You remember him saying that? Go whole hog when half ready. If you're not ready just to believe for a half a hog, believe for a half a hog. In other words, you can't overload your faith. If you've never believed God for $100, I'm going to be telling you the truth. It's going to be hard to believe him for 100000 because your faith's going to be shaky. If you hadn't believed God for $100, it's probably going to be tough for you to believe him for 10000 now. Let me tell you something that supersedes everything I'm telling you. If the gift of faith comes on you and God says, believe it, believe it, because it'll happen. I've had it happen to me. But as a general rule, normal Bible faith, you've got to have the faith to believe in what you're believing for. And you grow in that. But you don't need to bite off anymore and you can chew. You guys remember Pearly Ann, Nancy Jane, Emmeline Carter Greer. Y'all remember her. She stood four foot eleven three-quarter Cherokee Indian, my grandmama. And she wouldn't cut her hair because she didn't believe in it back. Y'all remember them days? And it touched the floor all the time. And she would shout and bobby pins would fly everywhere. And she could beat the devil out of you with a cast-fired frying pan saying she loved you all the time. She said, this hurts me worse than it does you. And I thought granny is a lion till you have your own children and then you realize what granny was saying. But I remember sitting around Granny's table and when you went to her table to eat in the country, I mean, there would be so much, there'd be enough food to feed an army. I'll guarantee because that's the way Granny believed it because they come out of the Hoover days, the Great Depression where they didn't have no food. Prosperity to them was having a lot of food on the table. And she believed in it. 
Well, you'd be sitting in there and these, uh, these young girls, you know, bring in the great grandbabies to granny and, and let granny pray over them and bless them and everything. And they'd be sitting around the table, pork chops, fried chicken, roast and everything else sitting there. And you're sitting there eating and picking through it and the little bitty baby, the toddler reaches up and grabs for a pork chop. Well, mama reaches up and taps the baby's hand. No, baby, you can't have that. They give them that stuff that come from Mars out of the jars. You know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of stuff. And that's what you got to have. But it would make Pearly Ann, Nancy Jane, Emmeline, Carter Greer, it would make her fighting mad. She said, give me that baby. You don't slap my baby's hand when they're in my house. If that baby wants a pork chop, that baby is going to get a pork chop off of granny's table. So granny would take that baby and set it over in her lap and she would take her whopper choppers out, poof, and throw them in her mouth and she wore them moo-moos. Y'all know what moo-moos are. They're tent dresses is what they are. And they got big pockets. They'll hold a lot of stuff. Won't hurt you. It'll help you, you know. And she throws them things down. If she ever had a toothache, she just throwed them in a jar and soaked them a while. telling you the truth. This is good country talk for city folks. It'll help you pray the prayer of faith on top of all that. And she reach up and take a piece of that pork chop and twist her a piece off and she'll swing it up in her mouth and go to gumming it. Mm. You know, gumming it over. And the baby just looking up like a little bird because he knows granny. Oh, granny. If that baby wants it, baby's going to get it. And granny gets that good slobber all. I mean slobber. I mean that loving granny slobber. Only granny can slobber like that. She gets it good and gooshy and mushy. What she does, she starts the digestive process in the mouth. And then she reaches up and gets that little soft up piece and she pulls it out and says, open your mouth, baby. Open your mouth, baby. And the baby ain't got no better sense than to open his mouth and granny puts the pork chop in. And that baby goes to smacking and a drooling, slobbering, running down his cheek. Because that baby likes that pork chop. And granny said, you want some more, baby? <laughs> and baby gets more. You say, Brother Randy, that'll kill you. I'm one of them babies. I'm six foot four, 260. Maybe the weight of my light a little bit. <laughs> it ain't hurt me, I'm telling you, it ain't hurt me. But there's wisdom in the illustration. Granny didn't give the baby a whole pork chop. Granny gave the baby enough pork chop that he wouldn't choke on it. Because he knew the baby didn't have no teeth either because Granny didn't. <laughs> so they was matched. So she didn't give the baby too big a piece that it would choke it and she started the digestive process to help the baby out. So granny believed in not biting off no more than you can chew. When it comes to faith, ladies and gentlemen, don't bite off no more than you can chew. You got it? Because people hear stories like this and hear me talk like this your other people teach on faith. I said, oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I remember one night I was preaching somewhere along these lines up yonder in Illinois or somewhere around in there, Iowa or something. And the next uh, evening, uh, a young college-age girl came in and she, she come up to the front, you know, before the service started and I shook her hand, 
talking to her. Hey, how you doing? She said, I'm going to school. And she said, last night I was here when you was preaching on believing God and, and, and how that God would give you anything in the desires of your heart. She said, I need a car to go to college with. She said, I'll tell you what, do you know what I've done last night? I said, what'd you do, honey? She said, you know, there's a new car dealership right down the road from the church. I said, was it open? I want to make sure first. <laughs> she said, no, it wasn't open after church. I thought, oh, thank God. I said, well, well, what about the new car dealership, honey? She said, I went down there. She said, I couldn't decide which car I wanted and all of them were shiny. They were pretty and some of them were pretty. She said, I just laid hands on every doggone one of them and I claimed them in the name of Jesus. In other words, the precious young lady believed God for a whole car dealership. <laughs> she couldn't even pay the light bill for one day. You see what I'm talking about? This is good, solid stuff. Now, I'm not telling you not to believe God for a car dealership, but make sure you're on that level when you do it. You know what I'm talking about? Make sure you're ready to pay the light bill. You know what I mean? What you obtain, you must maintain. Now, I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but I'm telling you it's necessary. This is what trips most people up. They go whole hog when half ready. Sometimes you can believe for something that after you get it, you wish you hadn't have got it and you want to let it go. Y'all remember John and Jerry. Y'all remember them over in Mississippi in the Amant County Swamp. Y'all remember them? They like to hunt raccoons at night with dogs, you know. And they would go out on the road and get their, their dogs, old coon dogs, you know, and, and they would uh, turn them loose in the truck and you had to hunt them at night, you know, the coons get in the tree and all that stuff. And uh, the dogs jumped a coon and run it down through the swamp. And of course, Jerry, John, and his buddy they got out of the truck with their lights and their rifle, you know, and, and took off down through the woods and hollering at the dog, woo, sick him, woo, get him, boy, get him. Look for him, look for him, boys, look for him. And them dogs were barking. He said they could hear it sound like the dogs were tearing the bark off of a tree down there in the woods. He said they got down there in the middle of that swamp in the Amant County Swamp in Mississippi. Y'all know where that is, don't you? Amant County Swamp over there. He said when they got down there, he said they began to look and them dogs were biting, trying to jump up in the tree. And of course, there was a fellow there with them named John. John was the one that went hunting barefooted and he rolled up his overhaul britcher legs and the only thing he had on between him and God was a pair of overhauls and that's it. And he took a bath, shower, creek or something about once a month, whether he needed it or not. He was that kind of fellow. He didn't believe in shooting no raccoon out of no tree. He believed in giving a coon, a raccoon, a fighting chance. So he always would climb the tree, poke that coon with a stick, knock it out amongst the dogs. And if a raccoon could whoop the dogs, then the raccoon could go to the house. Said, can they do it? I've seen some mean coons, raccoons. And I've seen some mean coon dogs. I'm just telling you the truth about it. So John told Jerry, he said, I'm going to climb this tree and I'm going to knock that coon out amongst them dogs. 
Now they looked at that tree. This tree was so big, it was one of the biggest trees in the Amen County Swamp. Three men with their hands together couldn't reach around it. That's how big the trunk was. You look up there, they wouldn't have limb hardly anywhere until about 15 feet. And you couldn't reach out. A man couldn't, normal man. Goliath maybe could. But not a normal man couldn't reach up and get a limb to climb the tree. So Jerry looked at John and said, Jerry, said, you can't climb this tree. Or Jerry he told John, you can't climb this tree. He said, this ain't a limb to get hold to. It's too big, you can't even get a hold to it. And it insulted John. He said, you stand back and get out of my way. He wrenched down on the ground, pick up a stick, shoved her down in her overhauls, you know, and he ejected his fingernails. And he ejected his toenails like a wildcat and stuck them in the side of that tree and went to hollering and scratching and carrying on and they finally got to the first limb. So Jerry and his buddy started hollering and coaching, knock him out, John. Knock him out, John. Knock him out, John. John disappeared into the darkness in the top of this tree, way up in the swamp. They're shining their lights trying to see what's up there. Finally, John hollers back down. Woo, boy, is this a big one. Woo, it's the biggest raccoon I've ever seen. And they hollered, knock him out, John. Knock him out, John. John said, get ready, boys. He pulled that stick out of his overhauls, wrenched around that tree, and he poked that coon to knock it off that limb, that raccoon, except it wasn't a coon. It was a souped-up wildcat. They called him Lynxus down there in the Amit County Swamp. And that lynx jumped on top of John in the top of that tree. Woo! John, woo! And I, woo! And they're down on the ground, knock him out, John, wondering what's going on. Finally, they see, oh my God. And John started hollering back down there. He remembered they got a gun and he was trying to let the wildcat go, but the wildcat wouldn't participate in the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> it takes two in agreement, you know what I mean? And that cat had a hold to him, on top of that tree. He remembered they had a gun down there and he hollered down there, Jerry, shoot this thing. Shoot this thing. They finally got their light and said, Oh my God, it's one of them lynxes, souped up wildcat. And Jerry hollered back, John, we can't shoot that thing. He said, We might hit you. John said, Just shoot amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? I have seen people believe and push and shove for something. And once they got it, they poked it and it turned out to be a souped up wildcat. And they started hollering, Whoa, shoot this thing. <laughs> Whoa, shoot this thing. What you obtain, you must maintain. I'm in the process of setting my faith for a larger aircraft. Something to get me way up there close to the third heaven, maybe the second heaven, maybe the first heaven. But one of the things I'm looking at is not just initial purchase price but what's it going to cost me to operate and maintain once I get it? So desires, make sure your desires line up with your ability to take. Like for instance, a house. You can believe God for a house, but don't bite off no more than you can chew. You might take your faith and believe your way into something You know that costs $4 million, but are you going to have the tax money <laughs> end of the year to pay the taxes on the doggone thing. You know what I'm talking about? What you obtain, you must maintain. And this is simple truths about faith that I believe what well, we kind of uh, need to shore it up in. 
So that's why I've spent a lot of time on this word desire. Make sure your desire lines up with your faith. So where do I get faith? Faith comes from hearing God's word. Find scriptures that promise you what it is that you want from God. Read them out loud, meditate on them until they get into your spirit, and then it puts you in a position to believe God. Now, at the same time, I don't want to put a ceiling on your faith. I'm not doing that. Believe God, stretch your faith with everything that's within you. Believe big, big as you can, but just don't go overboard. Start out being realistic. There was a friend of mine that was broke. I mean, broke, 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 broke. He didn't have the money. He was going to Rhema Bible Training Center. He was from another country. It was Pastor Jay. He was from another country, and he couldn't work here because he didn't have a work visa. And he got tired of, of doing without. He had a little daughter, Rebecca, and his wife, Sarah. He had been a, a Hindu Brahmin priest, a priest of the highest order. Jesus appeared to him, scared the devil out of him. He got totally born again. And then they wouldn't let him come from India to the United States to go to Rainbow Bible Training Center, so he went by way of Canada and, and settled there and then got permission to come from there to go to Rainbow. That's where I became acquainted with him over the years. But anyway, he was going to Rama. And they lived in a small, small apartment, you know. And they didn't have enough food to eat. They could hardly pay their tuition to go to school because they had tuition due. And he said sometimes they would just sit out there in the administration. You know where the administration was where you used to pay your payments? And they would just sit there. Even though they didn't have the money, they would sit there and study just like they were going to school by faith. And so one day he decided there's got to be more to it than this. So he told his wife, Sarah, he got Brother Higgins' materials on prosperity and some other recordings back in those days, tapes, you know. He said, I'm going in the bathroom. I locked myself in. And he said, I'm not coming out until I hear from God about prosperity. They said, Jay, we got to go to the bathroom. We got to take a shower. He said, go next door to the neighbors. <laughs> and they did. He locked himself in that place for a little over a week. One day in the evening, Saver was there. His wife was boiling some water on the stove and she's going to put some rice in it. And that's what they were going to have for eat, just some rice, you know. And he come out of there and he said, Sarah, I have believed God today for one American dollar. Don't bite off more than you can chew. He didn't believe for a million. He didn't believe for a hundred million. He believed for one American dollar. She said, oh, Jay, you're crazy. You've been locked in that bathroom for a week. She slung some change at him and said, go to the store and get me some salt. Normally, you would drive a car, but it was uh, empty of fuel. And there was a field between the little apartment complex and this little mini market not far from there. So he cut off across this field, trash, debris, broken glass, you know, just all out in this empty lot. He's walking along praising God, glorifying God, and all of a sudden something flashed in the wind right in front of his face on top of a pile of trash, and guess what was laying up there? One brand new American dollar. He grabbed that dollar. He ran back to his house and said, See, 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 I told you, God is on our side. Then he believed for $5. Then he believed for $50. Then he believed for $100. And he got it working pretty good and it was coming in. So one day they wanted to go see their parents and they needed about $5,000. They're over in India. 
They needed $5,000 to go in return. So he said, I'm going to set my faith and I'm believing God for 5,000 American dollars in the name of Jesus. By this time, his wife said, okay, I believe too. (laughs) I believe too. I believe. What I didn't tell you up front is Brother Jay was an accountant, a controller. He had a degree, large degree. He's a doctor, actually, doctor's degree. But anyway, he worked for this large company up in Canada before he came to the States. But he could work here and they'd then spend all their money just trying to survive, you know. So what happened up there before he came, he became known, if he had anybody sick in the family, bring them to Jay or get Jay to come and pray for them and they'd be healed. So one day, after working there for some good time, his manager came and said, Jay, he said, don't come to work tomorrow. You're not going to have a job. He said, what? What do you mean? Have I not been doing my job well? He said, oh, yes. You've been doing your job superb. He said, but we're union. And he said, the union is going to strike. He said, I just came from the president's office, the CEO of the company. And he said, we cannot sustain another strike. We don't have the money to do it. And we don't have the money to to give and meet the demands of the union here in Canada. He said, we're going out of business. Jay stood up. He told the manager, he said, God gave me this job and this company is not going out of business and there's not going to be a strike tomorrow. He said, Jay, you're crazy. Look out the curtain here. After they're out there now getting their signs ready and forming a picket line. He said, there's not going to be a strike tomorrow. He said, I'm coming to work and you better too. So the man left. He said, oh God, he's crazy. So he's back in the president's office, CEO of the company, and they're all discussing what they're going to do. So this manager told the president of the company. He said, you know Jay, Jeremy. He said, yeah, everybody knows Jay. He said, Jay said, there's not going to be a strike tomorrow. He said, he did? He said, yeah. He said, his Lord God, Jesus, is going to cause this company to continue. He said, go get him and bring him up here. They brought him up here. Jay stood in front of that president's desk and he said, there will not be a strike tomorrow and I will be at work. He said, Jay, you're out of your mind. He said, I'm telling you, my Jesus has given me authority and there's not going to be a strike and this company is not going out of business because I need this job because I'm going to Bible school. So they went home that day. Jay came back. And guess who was standing at the door the next morning to meet him? The president of the company. They settled the disagreement about 8 o'clock that night after everybody had left. They agreed with the head guy and they come to an agreement and the company was spared and did not go bankrupt. Remember, Jay now is already in the country and he's believing God for 5,000 American dollars. They were having a Christmas party gathering for the company in Canada. The president got up and started reminiscing. And he said, you know, we probably wouldn't have a company today if it wasn't for Jay Jerriman. Does anybody remember Jay? It was a large company. Did everybody, yeah, yeah, I remember Jay. That's that crazy Indian fellow. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, he's down there in the United States. He said, let's put together a kitty. Y'all know what that is? Not a kitty cat. You know what I mean? We call it an offering donation or something. 
He said, let's put together a kitty and just send him some money as appreciation from us as a company. He said, somebody passed the hat. (laughs) And they passed the hat. They counted it up. How much was it? 5,000 American, not Canadian, American dollars. 5,000. And they sent it to Jay. And he told Sarah, see. (laughs) Now, I'll stop with this desire, but I'm trying to help you. If you get this desire right, these others are going to work for you real good. It will. I know I've been dwelling on it, but it'll help you. Today, that same man, I know personally, is a millionaire. Excuse me. (laughs) In fact, he's worth over a million dollars in and by himself. (laughs) But he started in the bathroom. (laughs) She came in through the bathroom window. (laughs) I just saw Pastor Edward that song come to me. I don't know. I'm telling you, God's a big God, ladies and gentlemen. Start where you're at. I think sometimes we start, we want to go and believe God for a million. He didn't start there. He started with one dollar. Believe God for something. Don't let your faith grow dormant. I tell you, you can get so excited about faith. It'll just build in you and you'll grow in leaps and bounds. So don't bite off no more than you can chew. Start where you're at. Don't go whole hog when half ready. That's the first principle. Now, Lord, you've had me on this for 48 minutes. I pushed the button. I learned how to do that. <laughs> I'm technologically advanced. I'm not challenged. But it's worth it. I've seen it work miracles in people's life when they really get it. You know, and I'm not, again, let me balance this out. And I, I have, and I, but I'm trying to. I'm not saying you can't believe God for a million dollars. I'm not saying that. Or a hundred thousand or a thousand or ten. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying be realistic when you believe God. You don't throw common sense out the window when you start believing God. In other words, you need a car. Don't go down and claim the whole doggone dealership. It ain't going to work for you. And if you got it, you couldn't pay the light bill. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to, yes, stretch your faith. Push your faith. I mean, push it till it hurts, they say. But I'm not saying that. Push it, stretch it, believe. But don't sit there and do nothing. Believe God for something. Here we go. All that was wrapped up in that one word desire. Can you imagine? But it'll help you. It says, what things soever you desire. So first you have a desire. And we've talked about that desire. That desire is based upon the word of God. Find scriptures in the Bible that promises you what you want from God and base that desire on that. And there's scriptures to cover any desire, any true desire that you could ever have. But the second principle is, number one, you have a desire, but the second principle is when you pray. You have to pray about that desire. How do you pray? Turn to St. John chapter 16. And you already know these things, but I'm reminding you of what you know. St. John chapter 16. 
So now you know how to feed your babies and grandbabies too. I'm just throwing that in. I know the doctors tell you that's not good, but it didn't kill me. It didn't kill my brothers or sisters or nobody. And some of you probably went through the same thing. Granny was a baby food processor back then. <laughs> How do you approach God in prayer? How do you approach him? That's a good question. Let's see what the Bible says. How do I pray? St. John chapter 16, verse 23, this is the words of Jesus. says, and in that day, now the day he's speaking of is after his shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and we become born again. In that day, Jesus is Lord of lords. He said, in that day, he said, you shall ask me nothing. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy, 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 joy may be full. I tell you, it fills you with joy when your prayers are answered. It fills you with joy when God works in your behalf. But notice, he said, what service shall ask the Father in my name? So what do we do? We pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you about this desire. Now, the third principle in Mark chapter 11, so that's how we approach God in prayer. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 again. The third principle that we act on, and the fourth principle is actually God's. So he acts on that. But first, we act on the principle of having a desire. Remember, not a ho-hum type desire, but a desire that will not be satisfied until we receive the answer. Number two, we pray about that desire based on the word of God and praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. How do we know? The Bible says so. It's that simple. Then he says... Principle three, believe that you receive them, which means believe that you have received them. Principle three is believe that you have received the answer to your prayer while you're praying. Before you get up from that place of prayer, what do you do? You believe that you have received the answer to your prayer regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what it looks like. Regardless if you see an angel or a Holy Ghost or a goosebump, it don't matter. You don't have to feel one thing. But you act on this word, believe that you have received the answer to your prayer, and then principle four, you shall have them. Looking at this verse, let me show you something that you already know. When do you believe that you have received them? before you have them. Now, I'm talking about in the natural seeing things. You have them the moment you believe God in faith. And I'm talking about the natural seeing experience. He said, believe that you have received them and then what will happen? You shall have them. So you believe that you have received them and you shall have them. When do you have them? After you have believed that you have received them. Until you believe that you have received them by 
faith, then you'll never have them because you believe that you have received them now and they're yours. I'm talking about manifesting in the physical world. And then the next phrase is, you shall have them. When do you believe you receive? Before you have them. When do you have them? After you have believed that you have received them. Ladies and gentlemen, it belongs to you. You can believe God for anything. If you'll just meditate on this verse and just read this one verse out loud to yourself. Meditate on it. I'll guarantee it'll rise up and faith will come in your spirit and you'll begin to believe this verse and act upon it. Whatever it is that you need from God, it will come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember doing this. I was, I was uh, this airplane that I got now, this latest highfalutin airplane that, I, that I've got. I've owned uh, four over the years, about to get another one. It's larger than this one. It gets much higher, but I'm going to keep this one too. But I remember getting in faith about this particular aircraft. This highfalutin airplane's got a parachute on it. It's only FAA approved aircraft in the world that has the technology that this one has. And I dreamed of them for years because there's a safety measure in there. And somebody would say as a pilot, you know, well, I don't need no parachute to put me on the ground. I fly to the ground. That's okay if there's a ground to land it to. But I fly what you call a lot of hard IFR where you cannot see the ground. It's always a comfort to be able to pull a little lever and it launches a rocket and shoots a parachute up and floats the whole plane down gently. The military has had it for years. Armed Forces Division have had it for years, but they float the pilot down, not the whole plane. But this parachute is on this aircraft I fly, floats the whole plane down in a three-points position, and when it hits the ground, it's comparable to jumping off a 10-foot wall. It's already saved hundreds of people's lives. When catastrophic failures, like an engine failure, something you can't see the ground, can't glide down, can't get into an airport, you just pull that thing and parachute goes out, and you just sing, I'll float away, oh glory. <laughs> But I remember believing God or calling myself believing God for this airplane. The Lord had put it in my heart to sew a twin engine. I had a twin engine aircraft and I was going to sell it, you know, and move up to another aircraft. And it, it just seemed something just was scratching me inside that I shouldn't do that. And then my wife was telling me too, we need to sew this. And I thought, well, no, it'd be better to, to sell it because I had put uh, quite a bit of money in it, you know, just upgrading it and all kinds of stuff. And paint jobs and engines and all kinds of stuff. And I, oh, we got quite a bit of money in here. I mean, it's, it's worth some money. We ain't gonna do it. But inside, it's just like the Lord again. So I just started praying about it. And the Lord said, you can sell it if you want to, but it's gonna set a ceiling on your faith and where you can go. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you sow this, S-O-W, he said, it's gonna put you in a position that you have got to believe me. And it'll also put you in a position of being able to reap a harvest off of sewing. So I told my wife, she said, okay, we'll do it. So we sewed it, this airplane, S-O-W-E-D, sewed it. And so I was going around there claiming I was believing God, believing God, believing God. And one morning I was up about four o'clock in the morning walking through the house. Uh, Randall's upstairs asleep, Patty in the back, master bedroom asleep, you know, so she don't know. And I'm walking through the house, you know, and I'd, I'd walk down the hall, you know, and I'd go in that bedroom. You remember that bedroom down in the hall and I'd turn around and come back and I'd go in this office and turn around and come back. Then I'd walk back down this hall and I'd turn in that bathroom, you know, where the bathroom, the tub was and come over was over here in the sink and all that. And I'd walk by that sink and I'd come back out and turn right down the hall and I'd go down through the kitchen. And I'd come back around through the dining room and study and into the uh, library area. And then I'd come back down and I'd go around the hall just to make me worshiping God. And, and I got in back to that bathroom, you know, that bathroom off the hall. You remember where it was. I come in off that hall and, and I went 
went down by the tub, you know, and it had the shower curtain, all them freely things. You know how you ladies do it. You know, you put it in there where you can't even get in the doggone thing. You, know, <laughs> you have to have a bazooka to shoot your way in and get out of it, you know. <laughs> anyway, here I am and get to that curtain and I turned and then of course the commode is here and I walk in front of the sink so you got to be in that bathroom come past the commode and get right in front of the sink and then you have this experience. <laughs> Suddenly the Lord said to me right in my spirit about 4.30 in the morning he said you call yourself being in faith? He said you're not in faith. He said you trust in people. I said I do. I do. Well, I used to argue with the Lord till I found out he was smarter than I am. <laughs> Don't argue with him. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And then he just showed me. He said, you're saying if so-and-so would do this and if so-and-so would do this and if so-and-so could do this and if so-and-so would do that, he said, then, 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 then everything would work. He said, you hadn't put your faith fully in me. He said, you put tr trust in part in me and part in what man can do. And I just stopped with tears in my eyes. And I said, Lord, you're right. I got in the natural about believing you for an airplane. I did. I admit it. I said, Lord, I make an adjustment in my heart right now. And all my faith is in you. And I said, Lord, my son, I want you to do something for me, Lord. This way I talk to him. I said, my son's got into aviation now. He knows his daddy don't have money to go pay cash for something like this. You know, he knows that. I said, Lord, I want you to do this for me, for my son. I want him to see how big you are so he can far surpass where I've been. That's the goal. That's the goal. And the Lord said, it's done. It just dropped in my spirit. That was in December. In January, it was over in, uh, it was in Florida, but we was over in... Uh, what do you call that? Oh, right on the other side of uh, Destin. Yeah, it, but before you get to Pensacola, there's Fort uh, Walton, and before you get into there, there's an island, Oskaloosa Island, something anyway. We was out there having a meeting. And on a Wednesday morning, I looked up, and guess who walked into that meeting? Guess who walked in? You remember who walked in? Mr. Abner Yoder. He's a multi-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-
I didn't start there. I started eating pork chops off Granny's table. <laughs> I started eating pork chops off Granny's table. And I believe you can get there faster than I did. I've watched your pastors here. I've watched them over the years and seen what God has done for them and honored their faith, where they started at and how God has brought them here and you as a group of people. Man, it's an honor to be around you and see the faith that you've demonstrated and how they believe God and God has helped them to get to where they're at. So they're people that are in faith, they know how this works and it'll work for you. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing's impossible to those who believe. So if you forget everything I ever said tonight, remember Granny's pork chop. And remember John in the top of the tree poking that raccoon with a stick and it turned out to be a souped up wildcat. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the revelation of your word. And we thank you that you helped us to understand things, Lord, and we know these things. But Father, we thank you that we're going to put them into practice in our life. In the name of Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.